Well, here we go. Uh, it's the uh, podcast for a Wednesday. Uh, yours truly, Bob McCown, host of this August program uh, here in March, along with <laughs> my relatively insignificant sidekick, John. Hold on. Hey, hold on. In, in, insignificant sidekick. I did not say that. If you were paying attention, I said relatively insignificant. Oh, thank you. very. And by the way, that's as close as a, to a compliment as you're going to get. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Actually, I want to thank you for that, sir. It's it's like uh, it's like uh, in that uh, in that old Dickens story. Please, sir, may I have another? You know, what I mean, which Oliver, by the way, uh, Oliver Twist. Uh, by the way, um, what the hell are you talking about? Never mind. Because uh, okay. I'm distracted uh, by uh, well your. You I'm distracted by your uh, outfit. Well. Uh, for those of you who aren't watching, uh, last week, last week, yeah. I think it was last week, uh, George McPhee was on with us, the uh, president of the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, and he was wearing this. We can't see it. Most people can't see it. Well, if you're listening, well, then okay. Uh, but it, it's a uh, it's a, a sweater thing, um, and it's in gold. It's in it's gold, and it's got the Golden Knights logo on it. I think there's a NHL logo here too. Yeah. And, uh, and so Gary, both, thanks you for that. We complimented him on, on it, thought it looked great. And, uh, so he sent me one. Hold on. He said, how many? He sent me one. And where's mine? All right. It's right here. Look at, <laughs> look at that trip in triple XL. Oh, that's hurt. How Bob. big this thing is. Look it's at this. massive. That's yeah, massive. Well, you mean you'll squeeze into it? I'm sure. <laughs> look at so that! I'm I gonna ever have... see you. If I ever see you again, um, it's here. Okay, look at that. But I'm not delivering it. Come on, so we you, wanna... come out, you come out to the suburbs, don't you? No, not much. When you drive by the winery, when you drive to the winery, you drive right by. Do I have to get off the QEW to go to your yeah. place? Yes. <laughs> what do you think I live on the QEW? Come on. So so uh, we want to say thanks to George uh, very much. Um, I'm, I'm rather embarrassed by it because I, I really I wasn't sucking up for one. I, I and I said that to him afterwards. I just thought, I thought it looked really I thought it looked really sharp. And well, it did it did on him. Thank you. Well, we'll we'll have another conversation about this when you wear yours, and let's see how that looks well i mean maybe, maybe our next guest will give us some swag too lord knows the cost to the golden knights for just for the material that's in <laughs> yours as opposed to mine is significantly higher i can assure oh, you of that that is so hurtful when have you become so vicious when or re re relatively vicious when i was born probably <laughs> uh, oh our guest today um uh, we've been waiting to talk to him for a while we have talked to him before Yes. Uh, on the podcast. And we talked to him many times before that when we were actually gainfully employed. Uh, but, uh, but I always look forward to it. Um, he is the president of the Toronto Blue Jays. Mark Shapiro is uh, going to join us and we have uh, plenty, plenty to discuss. And uh, we will uh, commence with that process. Mark Shapiro joins us on the podcast right after this. He is now in his uh, sixth year, I think, 
as president of the Toronto Blue Jays, Mark Shapiro is with us. You're nodding, Shapiro. So am I right, six? This is six. You're right. It's good. It's good that you're forgetting. I think that's a positive thing. That means Thank I've been here long much. enough. This it, it means Canadian. I'm a year older. That's what it means. But if I am, then so are you. So I, uh, there I you go. certainly am. I always say like this job ages your internal organs much faster than your uh, than your <laughs> chronological age. Now, um, I, I confess to this. Um, I was at the compound in 1977 when the Toronto Blue Jays were launched. Yeah. And it wasn't much of a compound. Um, and uh, the stadium was, the uh, stadium was okay. 4,000 seats, whatever, a school over the right field fence. And um, yeah, still uh, there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. Well, look, I know, I know. And I mean, um, so those early days, I spent a lot of time there, but uh, boy, has it changed. You guys sent out a video of uh, the renovations that have been done, multi-million dollar renovations that have been done. And I took a look at it. That's a pretty impressive facility you got. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a, it's a game changer for us. I mean, it's a, I think it's a little bit of a reflection of spring training, you know, complexes are almost a misnomer now. It should be called like training development complexes. The game has shifted a lot of development to these facilities and their, their you know, 12-month-a-year facilities. Two, we're trying to compete with some pretty incredible training facilities that our players choose to go to in the offseason. And now we have, we can offer them the best, not just the best coaching, but also the best facility. Uh, but if you were to walk in here, Bob, I would tell you, uh, as I told a lot of our players when we were recruiting them, this is not your father's Dunedin. Like you don't, you don't feel, oh, no. yeah, you don't even feel like you're in the same place. We are on the same site, um, but we have, you know, meticulously thought about the player journey from the time he arrives, the time he prepares to go out in the field, to going out in the field, to coming back in and recovering and <clears throat> from food and nutrition to, you know, all the latest in recovery. I hope maintain the space and flexibility that we can adapt to how the game evolves because it will continue to evolve. That's the one thing. Just we, we were, you know, comically referencing technology you know, technology's changed our business, certainly, and there's going to be new things happening in the next 10 years as well. Uh, okay, so um, here's here's one observation. And I don't mean this to be an insult, but can you name one thing in the new complex that does not have a Blue Jays logo on it? <laughs> I don't view that as a negative. Um, there's no logo in my office. I'm looking around. I do have some coloring, but... Uh, no, we listen. I want it. I want it to be clear that this is a massive building, um, but you know we've got pride. You know, there's there is a lot of Canadian, uh, you know, reference points within the building um, <clears throat> from the mural that's you know one team, one nation, um, to you know the maple leaf that is throughout the building. And there's a lot of Blue Jay references. There, there's some historical references that I think are important. Yep. for pride i will tell you this we involve the players in a lot of the design elements um even guys that aren't here anymore guys that have been multiple places what do you want to see like what motivates you kind of cool that you know like hey put more about winning so you know in the weight room there are giant photographs of the world series rings and the trophies from 92 and 93 we've got the banners up um, from every pennant and division and playoff appearance. Um, yet there's three blank ones at the end and nice underneath off. those, and underneath those banners, it says, make your legacy. So 
I want those guys thinking about when they head out to the field from the weight room onto the field, you know, we're out here to put some stuff up on banners. You know, that's what we're here to do. So it's not just like being a beautiful facility and train and be good players. We're here to win championships. So um, there, there are, uh, there, there is Blue Jay centric It is Canadian centric. And I think that's important to remember why we're here and, and who we're a part of. One more from me before I let, I let John jump in here. Quantify, if you can, for not just for me, but for our audience, um, what you perceive the impact of this new facility to be. I mean, obviously, you, you want to be up to speed with what's going on elsewhere. Right. Is it, in your view, an attraction that you utilize and can utilize and maybe even have utilized already in the luring of free agents? Yeah, I think that's a secondary benefit. You know, the, the benefit to me is clearly wins and losses because I think it maximizes our ability to develop players most effectively, not just our major league players and help them perform at the highest levels, but throughout our entire player development system. I guess what I'd say is if you just develop one or two players more, that's got impact of tens of millions of dollars. So um, it, I think it will help us be more effective because of the programs we can run, you know, the ability to, to keep major and minor league players together in one building that our major players can model what it takes to be an elite player. They can see George Springer take BP. They can watch, you know, Ryu go about his business in the weight room and see like, this is what a major league player looks like when he's working. Uh, but most importantly, probably that ability to, you know, foster best-in-class performance. So on the mental, physical, and fundamental side, from nutrition to sports, uh, to the mental performance to technology, we have a pitching lab, Bob, that I'm not going to talk about the technology in it, but it allows us to go up and into that lab, dissect the pitcher delivery, and kind of pinpoint opportunities to get better. So I think it's a competitive advantage. It's a difference maker in how we're developing our players and maximizing their potential mentally, physically, and fundamentally. Mark, how much of a recruiting tool can it be? A recruiting tool, I think um, it's a, it's a, it is a definitive positive. This game's interesting, right? There's only 30 teams in the world. So when a building is like a, uh, it's kind of inspires all or, you know, holy shit, you know, when the players walk in, um, that gets around, you know, that gets around within the industry and players talk, uh, players that have either, you know, come from other places. And I would say this to you, like the one thing I think, you know, I've told all of us that were involved in the design, like when the players walk in, I want them to feel that how much we care. I want them to feel that, you know, we're doing everything humanly possible to put them in a position to win and to be the best they can be and to make money and all those things. So uh, I think guys that have been around and been to like three, four, five, six different places, you know, but want to be here, um, that word gets out. So that that is definitely, I think, a positive. I'm not going to BS you like it all com usually comes down to money. Um, but then sure. after money, John, uh, little things make a difference, like little things make an impact. Uh, and this this facility is one of those things that can make a difference for us. Not the only thing, but one of those things. Can I ask you a question? Let me ask this. You know, I don't want to dwell on this too long, but um, from the opposite perspective, in your first five years, did you experience or have the feeling that maybe you lost a player because of the 
mediocrity of the facility as it existed prior to the redevelopment? I think it was definitely an additional challenge that we had to overcome. You know, I mean, my, my mindset's always to take challenges and make them opportunities um, and to not let the challenges become excuses. We're facing the biggest one right now is where we play major league games this year and, and oh, last year, you know, but I think that's become kind of a trademark of this team, right? Like, Hey man, we're not going to accept that as an excuse. So I tried to minimize the focus on that, Bob, but man, it was like from the second I walked in here, it, you know, and that's the coolest thing. I've said it a few times. Like we, we skipped the generation. Right. We went from last generation and we're not in this generation. We're in next generation. So it was just archaic. It was the time had passed for this facility. It was fine in the eighties and nineties, but the time had passed for, and we did everything we could humanly do to try to, you know, it was like a mousetrap, right? We kept adding and trying to figure out, but spatially, infrastructure wise that just the bones of the facility and the bones of the building just didn't allow us to do anymore we needed to start from scratch so um yeah it was an issue it was a problem for us it didn't help uh proliferate like the 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 reputation we want for the organization which is again like we're doing everything possible for our players unfortunately you're going to enjoy it past april we are going to enjoy it past april yeah that's not that's again that's trying to be the most positive uh, that we can be, but uh, that, that's just the reality. Any idea how long, Mark? I mean, do you have, I mean well, this is obviously think, a governmental thing, but. Yeah, I think Mayor Tory's announcement kind of set that benchmark for all of us, right? Like no live, no live uh, entertainment till July 1st that, you know, I don't, I don't, that he didn't leave a lot of opening for, um, you know, exceptions in that. I, I guess I'm hopeful, like, with the announcement with vaccines yesterday, if every single person in the U.S. has access to vaccines uh, in, in May, then at some point the U.S. is not going to be the huge threat uh, to Canadian public health that it is right now. And when that happens, maybe the border opens up. Um, you know, we have our own issues in Canada getting access to the vaccine and, and getting it distributed. But um, I think the things that guide that, John, are going to be just obvious. It's not going to be me having to, like, figure that out. And that's why we haven't wasted the government's time. They've got more important things to deal with. Like, it's going to be clear, like numbers are going to start getting better. Vaccines are going to start getting distributed. We're going to see some movement towards normalcy. And you'll see that probably first in the stadiums here. And then we'll have a case to make that, you know, we're not so much our players, you know, 25 flights in the second half of the year may not be that big of a threat, you know, to, to public health. Last I saw, you had... You know, you're being you were being conservative about um, you know playing the first few series in Dunedin, and then we'll see. Has that changed now? Well, I think what I've been pretty candid about is like at some point Dunedin becomes too hot and too rainy to stay here. Like we don't have a dome stadium, we and frankly we have a minor league stadium, so we're we're going to have to move from Dunedin. That in concert, when I spoke about it, Tory Mayor Tory had not made his announcement, um, so I was being you know, extremely optimistic that we could pivot here. Um, I, if I had to guess, again, I go back to our season kind of lies in some combination of Dunedin, Buffalo, and Toronto, you know, um, if I had to guess, you know, we'll be here probably, you know, April and May, depending upon how it goes, Bob, like if it's a disaster here, if it's a nightmare here, we'll try to get to Buffalo sooner, but we're, we are in the process now of trying to make more lasting permanent renovations to Buffalo that will facilitate that being a better AAA facility moving forward and certainly uh, a more suitable 
facility for more than 60 games. By the end of our time there last year, regardless of how great a job our staff did in making it a good place to play, it was starting to kind of be clear it was temporary. So we need to be a little more permanent. Well, and this isn't an ideal scenario, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess that you've thought about this through. Uh, your AAA team is going to play in Buffalo this year, correct? They will not if we are there playing major league games. We'll have to okay, but then you got to move them in order to make a space for you. Yeah, and we've done the research on that. Okay, and I'm, I'm I just wonder, um, and I guess it's a reflection a little bit of the fact that uh, our friends the Raptors are just down the road in Tampa uh, playing. Uh, did you look at going to St. Pete and sharing the facility there with uh, with with Tampa Bay? Yeah, we looked at not just Tampa Bay. We looked at probably four or five you know, Eastern major league teams. Uh, the challenge with this year being, you know, last year, obviously we looked at Pittsburgh and Baltimore, but the challenge of being the, the second team in a major league city uh, in an environment where they're all selling tickets this year is that there's just not the space like mm -hmm. to be the third team. You know, we would have a worse facility than the visiting team, uh, which would wear thin. And our players, once we settled in Buffalo said, yeah, we need our own, we need to have a home. That is our home, not somebody Understand. else's home. So uh, we did look at that, but again, recognize that a lot of what was going to enable us to play in Pittsburgh and Baltimore was utilization of a concourse with no fans. So building uh, batting cages, building weight rooms, building, you know, some clubhouse facilities on concourses, which just sounds crazy. But in Buffalo, our batting cage and our weight room were by concession stands on the concourse. We just had no fans there. So that's why we have to make that different this year when we go to Buffalo. But, but in Buffalo, uh, you know, based on state law, you, you could sell tickets in Buffalo. We're going to sell tickets in Buffalo. Okay. Hey, can we talk baseball? Yeah, please. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> what, what, what do you know about George Springer now that you've seen him in, uh, in spring training that you didn't know when you signed him? Um... Look, I think when you when you go out and sign a guy and give him 150 million dollars, you better know you better know almost everything there is to know. Oh, okay, um, but but, but. I, mean, this, this, I, I think there's a couple things I would say kind of that are maybe less didn't know but reinforcing. Uh, one is teammate, you know, like he's come in here, he's got confidence, energy, and the security you'd expect from a player of his accomplishment. But you know, he's humble. You know, he is it's interesting to see how deferential he is even to our young players. Like, I think he's, he's, I think he even said it in an article yesterday, but he's, he's been impressed by the way Bo, Kevin, you know, these guys carry themselves and he's like, yeah, like, I don't, you know, I don't need to be like the guy. I just want to be part of something special. And that's, that's clear. That's unusual for a superstar player. Um, the second would be um, there's no coincidence, like the elite, athletes like the guys that are elite performers like when you walk in a room john you know who they are you take a look at a guy um you watch his work habits you look at his you know athleticism and you watch you see his body type there just aren't many guys who look like george springer like he's just a different you know he's he's a different being you know than most people and uh you combine his work ethic you know with that athleticism and with that size um and he's, he's, he's pretty unique. There are not that, you know, he's one of those guys that you walk out and feel, you don't need to be a scout. You don't need to be a rocket scientist. You can figure out who the star player is, you know. One of the things that's been discussed a, a fair bit this year with no disrespect intended was um, can you, 
can you plug all the holes at once? And um, you clearly made significant improvement, at least theoretically, in your roster. But there was one place where that became difficult. And I want to dive into that a little bit. Yes, yeah, for sure. The pitch, starting pitching staff. We'll do that right after this uh, quick break on the podcast. Mark Shapiro is with us, the president of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, he is with us from uh, Dunedin, uh, where the Blue Jays have commenced spring training and games. And um, uh, so far, I think all's going well. During the offseason, you know, you made the two specifically significant signings and improvements, second base center field. Um, but pitching was an issue, especially starting pitching. I think you know how I feel about relief pitching. Uh, but, but, Starting pitching um, was an area that I think you probably conceded you wanted to make some significant improvement. And um, there was, that was marginal. Was that, I'm sure it wasn't deliberate, but was that a reflection of the quality of the starting pitching available to you was not at a standard that you wanted to invest in it? Was it because there were a couple, three guys that you really wanted but didn't wind up getting? Help us out on that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a clearly like we're, we're obviously not blind. So I, I and we know that starting pitching was one of our areas of greatest need. Uh, but when you go into any market and attempt to improve your team, you want to go with where the biggest impact lies. Um, and so we made the moves that we felt improved the team in the most dramatic way. And it's always about um, increasing run scoring and run prevention. Uh, we added a couple players that we feel like will improve our defense. So that was not pitching, but that will make our pitching better. Okay. Um, and we also feel like we, we, we're going to put out one of the best lineups in all of major league baseball too. So we're going to score a lot of runs. Uh, I would say the second piece is that you didn't mention is that, it's, it's not one window, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't, oh, I, yeah. don't I don't, I don't put up my finger and say, we're done. We've arrived. We're ready to go. Remember we lost, you know, over 95 games, you know, two years ago, like our players sped the time frame up last year. And we're just trying to, to work off of their belief in each other, their confidence and the talent, but we're building it to have a chance to be very good for four five, six years, hopefully longer. And, um, you know, I expect us to be active at the trade deadline. I expect us to be access, you know, active in next off season's free agent market um, to feel like we needed to go into one off season, Bob, and answer every issue and address every need. No, I mean, first of all, we need to play more to make sure we really truly know, uh, you know, where our greatest areas of need are. And then the final point would be our greatest area of depth within our farm system. And we've said this all along is in our starting pitching and the starting pitching just, you know, is behind our position players, our young position players. That's why we got Ryu signed Robbie Ray back. And I think we'll probably still look to add to starting pitching. Uh, but when you think about, you know, Pearson, Manoa, Klopfenstein, like we've got some, we got a group of young pitchers that we feel excited about um, and a few guys that are, don't have as big a names that we feel also have a chance to really make an impact and help. Do you, do you set objectives for guys like Pearson, what they contribute, what their numbers are expected to be? Not numbers. I think we try to focus more on uh, routines, pitch development, weapons, approach, you know, the mental side of the game, and the, especially with a guy like Pearson where 
the stuff is going to dictate, you know, good numbers if he can maintain the mental side of the game and disciplined approach and, you know, continue to, to hone what are already very good work habits and learn, you know, how to pitch. One of the issues with Pearson, and I know you've, you've addressed this probably with other people um, in the past, is this is a guy with extraordinary skill, with extraordinary talent, but who has pitched very little. True. He, 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 um, this is not a guy who projects, in my mind, to even having the ability to hit 200 innings this year. Do you think he can? Can you make the jump from, I think, 100-something is the most he's ever pitched? Can you, do you think he can make the jump to 200 or close to that? Not this year. I think it's going to be a multiple year, you know, I mean, right. he's, he, I think that when it comes to development of starting pitchers, uh, particularly at the major league level, just it, patience is so important. And, you know, fans, it's hard for fans to be patient. They're focused on this moment and this minute. And, you know, again, I've got, we both have the benefit of seeing decades of baseball come through and prospects and just knowing that, it's going to be, you need to be prepared for a process with starting pitching. It's just, it's a hard thing to do at the major league level. Uh, but when I think about Nate, I think about size, athleticism, stuff, and work ethic. I think it's it's going to happen. It's just not going to happen maybe as fast as we want it to. So it, it raises this question for me. How do you control his innings pitched? Because in my mind, there are a couple of ways to do it. You can look at it on a, on a per pitch per day basis or, and, and, and limit that um, and, st and have him in the rotation. So he pitches every fifth day, but he doesn't pitch as many innings. Or you can stretch him out and give him a few uh, extra off days. Maybe he maybe have a six-man rotation. God, I can't even think about that, but I'm too old school for six-man rotation. Bob wants a three-man rotation. Uh, spawn insane in two days of rain, right? That's right. <laughs> Um, so do you have a philosophy on that? I, I assume you yeah. guys talk about this stuff the all the philosophy time. Is, the philosophy is to monitor fatigue. That's it. You know, it's not to, not to go in with a pre-supposed, you know, limit. It's not, you know, it's definitely not to take the major leagues and make the major leagues a laboratory where we're going to, like, you know, change our chance to win games over Nate Pearson's development. If that's the case, he should be in the minor leagues. So we're probably not going to, like, pace it. We're going to monitor fatigue but know that when he tires two things happen his performance will drop and he'll be at risk for injury so there you know fortunately we live in an era where the ability to gauge fatigue is a lot more precise and there are better ways to do it than just the eye the eye still is an important you know one important way but we have other ways to kind of keep an eye on it as well somewhere in that beautiful new office there has to be some sort of depth chart opening lineup in April. And then the question is, where's Vladdy in that chart? He's playing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought, you know, Bob was... <laughs> yeah. so is he's he... playing. I mean, I think we, I think, you know, the most likely scenario is he's playing more first base than anywhere else. But I think we, we respect both his desire and we recognize how much better we could be if he can play third base too. So we're giving him every chance to go out and do it. He's obviously made a huge commitment to his fitness level um, that will make it easier for him to play third base. But there's been from my own experience with Jim Tomey to Miguel Cabrera, there's been dozens of players who started at third base, but just got 
too big and were too strong and ultimately had to move across to first. So uh, the longer he can play third, the better, you know, flexibility we maintain. But um, we've got a lot of versatility on the team, whether it's Guriel, Biggio, you know, and now Vladdy, that, that's a plus for Charlie and th- thinking about, you know, how he deploys the weapons on this team. Um, I had the chance, I guess everybody had the chance to see uh, your opening preseason game against the Yankees on the weekend on television. And it's kind of hard, you know, we'd heard that Vladdy had lost 40 something pounds. Um, kind of hard to tell. I mean, you could see he was, he was slimmer, but it was more difficult to tell. Well, when he scored from second on that one in that game, he scored that, that you could tell there. Tells you something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm intrigued by how much pressure the organization put on him to be in shape when he, by his own concession mark yeah. was not in shape last year. Yeah, I think, you know, that book, that comes down to personal philosophy and you're not going to see us like pressure people. Like we more want players to take ownership and accountability of their own careers and we'll give them the feedback and we'll challenge them to be objective about, you know, their self-evaluation. We'll most importantly partner with them to provide them the best resources and support possible. Um, but I think what we'll do, Bob is like, you know, ask a player the questions like, do you think you're at the right weight right now? Do you see, you know, that weight being uh, a detriment or a plus to your ability to, to hit the inside pitch, to stay on the field? You know, do you think you can stay healthy at this weight? What do you think that's going to look like in 10 years? So we'll engage in that feedback. Um, but you can't do it to a player like a player has to take ownership of that, just like any of us in our lives, you know. For anything meaningful, any meaningful change, you know, someone can't tell us what to do. You know, no boss can tell me you need to want to win more, you need to care more, you need to work harder. That has to come from me. And it's the exact same with a player. This is their profession and their job. Like we, we don't tell them what to do. They're men. You know, yep. uh, with with a younger player, we may try to be a little more proactive in how we guide him. But it's more just to engage at get their feedback and then provide the best support possible doesn't hurt that you have nutritionists on staff at the new complex though it doesn't hurt that we've got it doesn't hurt that we've got a kitchen here that we can cook you know food that tastes good but is also healthy that that's actually more important okay that's what's possible the, what, what, by that is, way, what, that's actually possible to have food that tastes good and is nutritious <laughs> I, come on down here and i'll i promise you we'll, we'll give you some uh, okay by the way pyro i would if i could pal i guarantee I, it I, What's the best thing on the menu then, Mark? Come on. What's the best thing on the menu? Well, in, in, in Vladdy's case, we're, we do a lot of Latin food that may not be good to me and you, but it's, uh, you know, it's, oh, yeah. you know, that appeals to his palate and for our other Latin American players, but, uh, but still doing it in a way. And, and a lot of it, a lot of it, John, is actually less different food than you'd think in the way we prepare it. So grill right. more, don't sure. fry you know, less oil, but still tastes good, you know, and it's still meats and, you know, proteins. And these guys are obviously these guys are, are burning far more calories than the three of us are burning. So they, they can, they can ingest a lot more, a lot more food. Oh, I'm pretty sure they're burning more calories than the three of us are burning. <laughs> right now. <laughs> the three of us are burning this. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the podcast uh, is not a high, not a uh, high calorie expenditure. Oh, bite your tongue. So, um, a couple of things I want to get, get at before we uh, let you skittle out of here. One of the other issues that was addressed, but never really considered, I didn't feel like it was considered in the offseason a high priority item in the terms of the general population. I'm not talking about you guys. Catching. Uh, you know, you're a guy who saw 
uh, when Martin was here and the value of an experienced catcher to a pitching staff, to their confidence, to the ability to get strikes, to all those kinds of things. And now you have babies behind the plate. Um, I know you looked at the possibility of bringing in a, um, an experienced catcher. And I know you also have prospects in the system that I think you think very highly of. Very highly. Very highly. But they're some time away, whether it's three months, a year, two years, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Um, give me your take on that. And, and yeah. how, I mean, how do you take, handle that? My take on that is for what you're talking about, I'll put Danny Jansen up against anyone. I mean, okay. what he hasn't, what he hasn't done is hit, but maybe what's been most impressive to me and what is, is not characteristic of a young player is that despite the fact that he's had disappointing offensive performance, man, he bleeds for the pitchers and he studies, you know, attacking hitters and he goes in with a game plan and those guys love him. And, you know, he is a difference maker and his receiving throws well and his game calling is really good. So the defensive side of the game, um, Danny Jansen is, you know, he is not, he does not catch or receive or lead a staff like his age and like his years. He is beyond his years. Um, I guess we're confident based on track record in the minor leagues that the offense will get better. Um, and then we've got, you know, some combination of, of him and Kirk and, and obviously guys like Moreno and Riley Adams coming. So um, yeah, it's an area of depth, but you're right. We, we did flirt with Real Muto, you know, and talk to him some um, because it's just such a difference making. If you have offense from that position, it's such a difference making uh, position on the field. Well, let me ask you this to that point. Look, not everybody's going to be Johnny Bench. In fact, there's only one Johnny Bench. And um, and I'm not singling him out as the only catcher who was good behind the plate and, and could hit as well. But if you're going to give up offense at any position, if you have a, in my mind, if you've got a catcher that, as you say, can relate to the pitching staff, maybe even more to the starting pitching staff, but can relate to the pitching staff and, and make them better, I would be willing to give up offense in that scenario. It, yeah. It, are you on the same page? So I, I am. I mean, I think you prioritize up the middle. You want, you know, you prioritize defense and it can make sure. a difference. One of the cool things about catching and you're, you're saying this without directly saying it, which I think is in, a, in an age of analytics and in an age where people are trying to objectively measure everything. I would argue that a catcher's ability to impact the game cannot be measured. Because you can't, because you can't measure game calling. You can't measure the confidence he instills in the pitcher. You can't measure the leadership that he exhibits on a day-to-day basis. So his impact on a pitching staff, um, the confidence that he creates while we've gotten better at measuring, you know, receiving ability and pitch framing and blocking and all those things, you still can't measure some aspect of what a catcher brings which I still think so a catcher brings value that that still needs to be measured and measured, you know, subjectively by a coach, you know, by people who are around the team and by feedback from pitchers. Uh, anything, anything from you, John, before I hit the last topic? Uh, well, I want to ask about, and I know you're the president of the baseball club, but uh, the feedback here in Toronto is the disappointment that uh, the radio station has elected and Rogers have elected not to broadcast a radio show. Yeah. Decision by by sportsnet and, and 
we don't own Sportsnet. You know, nope. they're a they're a partner. Okay. Sad though. Well, I, I you know I don't want to put you on the spot, but look. Yeah, I mean, I, you're talking to a kid that grew up listening to Chuck Thompson and John sure. Miller. There and you go. Fell asleep, fell asleep at night, you know, with my head next to the radio. So, you know, there's a purist in all of us. I, I'd like to think that you know they they're, they're facing tough business decisions like everybody, and that's just a sign of of one year, and we'll see what we'll see what it brings next year. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we all. You know, we've all grown up. Well, I was on the broadcast for many years uh, um, um, as a part of it, and but we all grew, we, we grew up with voices, names, and and listening to radio, having that that Heathkit thing under your pillow. You know, Absolutely. when you were a I kid, I had it, man. I had the radio. I fell asleep. I I remember straining to stay awake to hear the Oriole games and not fall asleep. I mean, straining, like not wanting to fall asleep. You know? how, about, how, about, how about hiding the transistor radio so you could listen to the World Series during school? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with the yeah, old the, earpiece. With the that's wires. right. With the, that's right. I had the Heath kit thing with that plastic, big plastic earpiece. I put it under yeah. my pillow so my mom couldn't see it when she came in to check on me. That's great. And, um, and, and then, you know, I lived in Vegas for a number of years and one of the great privileges I had when I was there was I got a chance to listen to Vin Scully every night which yeah, I hadn't special. previously you know and it wasn't the tv broadcast it was the radio broadcast that I, I yeah. listened to most of the time and that that magic is what attaches you to this game yeah I think more than any other sport Mark yeah I think the way you know kids probably you know I think it's just things are blending now like the digital side of things they're listening to radio through the internet and so you know, like you're doing podcasts on YouTube and I think it's, things are starting to, to get more blended, but baseball is that one game where, you know, there, the beauty of it still lies in the memories and in the tradition and those, you know, how those are established. I think there's gotta be some flexibility and open-mindedness moving forward. But what you're talking about is what, why I'm in the game, right. you know, it's, growing yeah. up. you know, it's, 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 it's that relationship around the game with my dad and my siblings and, you know, it's, uh, you know, so I, I, I think being able to be poetic and think about the game in those ways, attaching it to the people who deliver the game to us, um, thinking about players in that way. I, I've always wanted to build teams that have players that, you know, kids can legitimately look up to and parents can say this, you know, look at the way George Springer carries himself. He's a guy that has a stuttering issue that couldn't even go to school because he was teased so much and ostracized, but he's fought through that. He's found a way to, to deal with that he cares about other kids that are going through that he's a person that's demonstrated character and resilience and determination like that's great I was talking to my daughter about that last night that's 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 what you want you know the, the only thing you gave me you gave me a little hope Mark when you said for one year that's, yeah well that's, that's what I, I hope too you know I think but yeah. they'll see how I'm sure that their business people they'll see how it goes and they'll make and they'll get feedback from their market and I think they've got a lot already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, listen, uh, you've okay, given us can I, I, I'm sorry. Can I ask one more question, Bob? I'm sorry. not the least bit surprised. I was waiting for you to interrupt me so well, that you could get the but, last question in. This happens this is, every show, Mark. Every show I got to put up with this nonsense. Unfortunately, this is a serious one. Um, Mickey Calloway. Uh, the allegations that have existed, uh, sexual harassment, uh, all the way back to his time in Cleveland, even before his time in Cleveland. How, how, how does one who, you know Callaway, you work with them, how do you, how, how do you address them? How do you feel about them? Yeah, I guess bitterly disappointed. Um, 
you know, that to be any part of an organization that, uh, especially leading one, that, that people were subjected to, you know, that type of behavior and that they didn't feel comfortable coming forward at that time. And, uh, but recommitted to building an organization here that is, that fosters um, equality and, you know, empowerment and diversity and open-mindedness. So, you know, I, I guess all I can do is, is continue to commit to, and, and know that I didn't know those things, John, you know, I was completely unaware and sure of that. So disappointed in myself, but I think if anything, as a generation of people, you know, in the last year, we have all been challenged to think differently about, you know, race, about equality, about inequity. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a reminder that, you know, we may think we're open-minded, we may think we're progressive, we may think that we're liberal in our belief system, uh, but we can never do enough, right. you know, to continue to strive to be better. And so th this is just a reminder for me, like, hey, I've got to be better uh, and we have to be better as an organization. Uh, I suspect it'll be a while before we uh, see each other in person, but hopefully not too long. Enjoy your time in uh, Florida. Not like you have much choice, um, but there are worse places to be. Yeah. And um, we thank you as uh, always. By the way, Mark, have you noticed Bob's uh, sweatshirt? Have you noticed his sweatshirt? I noticed it right away. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You want one, Mark? I got one for you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, don't you be giving my stuff away. Don't you? That's much too big for Mark, based on the nutritional stuff in the in the complex. Oh, we can much get too big one. for Mark. We can yeah. get him one. Don't like worry it. about it. <laughs> Got to be All a right. Vegas Golden Knights fan, though. Thank you, Mr. Shapiro. We'll see All you right, soon. John. I hope. Good to be, good to be with. You. Thank you. There's the president of the Toronto Blue Jays, Mark Shapiro, for uh, Shannon McCowan. See you next time.